First John chapter one. For those of you here on Sunday night, this is uh, this is not going to be an encore. Just me talking this time. Much, much better. <clears throat> All right. So when you're there, uh, let's stand. You know, in honor of reading God's word, and we'll we'll read a few verses here. We'll read a couple verses before the the key text, just to get some uh, some context. We'll start uh, in First John. Uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 6. And uh, the Bible says uh, that if, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Uh, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we thank you for this text, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity tonight, and I pray that you would, you would not let my words, Lord, get in the way of your word. And just, just speak through me, Lord, and let the message get across plainly uh, to the hearts here, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So at this time, uh, John is writing a letter to the church. And the reason he's writing this letter uh, is because at, at this time there is a, a movement or a slight exodus from the church. There are people um, who are leaving the church because of a certain idea or several ideas. A lot of the, go- the people who are leaving are, uh, are of the affluent variety. They are, they are well-educated. They are intellectual. And they are leaving because the, the idea that they're leaving for is an idea that says that if Christians apply themselves, they can get to a certain point where they don't sin anymore, where there's no sin in their life. And while that idea, for whatever reason, didn't uh, take hold along the regular like rank and file church members, you know, people like you and I, uh, but the highly educated ones thought that was a great idea. And so they were leaving the church for it. And, and the remaining people at the church started growing concerned because, well, I mean, all these highly educated, intelligent people uh, think this is true, you know, and so they had concerns that maybe they were choosing poorly. Maybe, maybe that choice was, was, was wrong for them. And so John writes this epistle to them to, to alleviate the concern and to tell them, no, you're, you're walking the right path and, and, and they're not walking the right path. And so a, as he's writing this, he, he includes uh, these three tests at the beginning, to try and figure out if the person you're talking to is going to be a false teacher. And we talked about the last uh, test, the last time I preached. Apparently this is a series. I didn't know that. Uh, so the last time was about walking in the darkness and, or walking in the light. And, and you can say that you're walking in the light, but if you're actually doing deeds and actions that are of the darkness, then you can say you're walking in light all you want, you're still walking in the darkness, and therefore you're a false teacher. And now in verse 8 here is when John talking about uh, a, a second test. And this is the test that uh, deals with one of the ideas these intellectuals were having, is that if I can attain a certain level of Christianity, then I can be above sin. And he, he calls it out blatantly here in the text that, 
that if, if, if that's the case, you deceive yourself. That's what he's saying. And so we'll look at this test here. You know, these, these intellectuals, that they claim that if you can attain mastery, you can somehow be above sin. And that, that's utter nonsense. I hope you know that. We can logically think it through that, you know, because we're saved, we're still people, and therefore we still sin. That's, that's a very logical way to address it. But even without the logic, logic aside, we can use the Bible to tell us this thing as well, can't we? You know, Ecclesiastes 7.20, it says, For there is not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And so these intellectuals, as smart as they are, should have realized that, that their life is not an exception to Scripture. And we should also realize that even though we're far removed from this letter in time and in space and in culture even, that our lives are not an exemption from Scripture either. And that we still have sin in our lives. And, and, and sure, while we are saved, we have a grace from God to, to allow us to have freedom from the mastery of sin. We still have sin in our lives. It still takes a daily choice to ask and seek God's will and mercy in his life for you to try and avoid sin. So don't think that at any one point in time, like these educated people did... That, you know, somehow if you pray hard enough and you do the right steps in the process, that you'll somehow rise above the swampy murk of sin and be above that. Where all the, the unsaved people and the new Christians, they're still in the water and they're still surrounded by sin. But, but I, I'm on this, on, the, on this level that's above that. And I don't have to worry about that anymore. <clears throat> I, I think that these smart people wanted it to be true. Because, well, it offered them a life that they wanted to live in a selfish manner. I mean, I don't, I don't know the, you know, I didn't, I'm not smart enough, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what it all is that, they, uh, that the, the, um, the idea was, was putting forth, that was appeasing to these guys. But I, I, I imagine the theory is that if, if you're saved and you do the right things, then of course, you know, Jesus Christ, his death has washed your sins away. And you have a clean slate from his eyes. And I think their thought was, well, if he's going to forgive my sins anyway, I can go ahead and sin. Because they're already forgiven. And that simply isn't the case. Just because your sins are going to be forgiven if you ask them to be, which he is faithful and he will do that, it doesn't mean you can sin. Because even forgiven sin has consequences. So to think otherwise, John says, is purely to deceive yourself. And so John goes on and he says that the remedy for this is to confess your sins and God will forgive them. And that's, that's true. And it's important because if you confess your sins, you're acknowledging them. And you're taking ownership of them. And you're saying that, yes, I am able to sin. The sin is in my life and I have sinned and therefore I still need God and his mercy. Amen. And so by confessing your sins, you're acknowledging that you still have a sin nature that was what John wants these intellectuals to do. And so by way of, of application this evening, we're going to apply this test. And I'm going to, I'm going to just change uh, you know, the, the way it's, it's said here, not, not to change the meaning, but because uh, you know, the next test, if we ever read, read that, it's very similarly worded. And so it took me quite a, a, a while to figure out what this one was really getting to. And so the, the test for you and I this evening is, is, as a saved Christian, 
do we have the potential to sin? I think that's what this, this test is getting at. And so potential is kind of a hard thing to figure out because potential can exist and you won't know it exists until something happens. And so did potential happen the entire time? We don't know. So as a thought experiment, if you will, and you're going to be my, my uh, guinea pigs in the thought experiment. Thanks for volunteering. You all don't live here. You live somewhere else. And so therefore, you traveled to get here tonight, didn't you? You sometime today, you left your home uh, and you drove or walked to church. And so it was during the course of that travel that there was a potential for you to get into an accident, isn't there? Now hopefully no one is in an accident. Hopefully no one gets in an accident. But the potential existed while you were traveling that you could be in an accident. And the reason why that potential didn't come to fruition is because of the choices you made. The small decisions you made. You know, you, you chose to, uh, to obey the speed limit. You chose to use your blinker, hopefully. You, you chose not to follow the guy ahead of you too closely or, or to keep it in your lane or to obey the traffic signals. These are all small choices. And because you made them, you helped uh, not to have that potential realized of getting into an accident. And they weren't big decisions, were they? They were small decisions. Seemingly insignificant decisions. What's obeying the speed limit? And they, and they weren't decisions that you made just once and you forgot about them. They were decisions you make continually throughout the journey. It wasn't as if you, you backed out of your driveway and said to yourself, okay, self, it's 25 miles an hour from here on out because this is a, a residential neighborhood and, and, and that's the law. No, you have to recommit to that decision every time you slow down or stop or every time you, you turn and go onto a different street. And so the decisions you make to you know, either realize or not realize your potential are small and they're made continually. And the same is true for sin in your life. Is that you have to, first of all, accept that there is this potential in your life. You didn't choose it. You didn't want there to be sin potential in your life. I understand that. You didn't want there to be a potential to get into an accident driving here either. But it is. And so you have to just accept that potential. And you have to start making choices to avoid, uh, to avoid that sin or avoid that accident in your life. No one chooses the potential for sin. But we can look in the Bible and realize that there is a potential for Christians to sin. If we look at Paul, his potential to sin didn't change after he was converted, did it? I mean, he, he claims you know, he was the chief sinner. And he and even says he sins all the time. In Romans 7.19, he says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. So Paul's potential for sin, even after he's saved didn't change, did it? He, he still has that potential. And so given that there is a potential for sin, you have to make choices to avoid that sin. And the choices aren't usually big ones. Again, they're small ones, they're insignificant ones. It's like not speeding or using your blinker. But those small decisions have a way of adding up so as to avoid sin in the future. And this is exactly what Pastor was talking about last week, wasn't he? It wasn't the fact that, it wasn't the choice that Daniel had to either go or not go into the lion's den. It was the choice of what do I have for dinner that night. 
And it wasn't, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's choice. Do I go into the fiery furnace? It was, do I eat the king's meat? And so these same choices are used, even though they're small, to help you not sin each time. And just because you have the potential to sin doesn't mean you will sin, does it? I mean, you're going to sin, but every single potential sin doesn't come to fruition in your life. I hope not. And it's a, it's a relieving thought that we don't have to sin, do we? Because we have God's grace in our lives. That we can, that we can not sin if we don't want to sin. If we try, if we, if, we, if we seek God, if we pray to him, if we, if we read his word, he gives us strength to not sin. It's based on our choices. But that's not where I want to spend time this evening. Because I'll admit one thing. I'll admit that these intellectuals that were leaving the early church, I think they were on to something. And I don't think they were on to the idea that, that becoming a Christian and, and, and elevating yourself, you know, raise them above sin and the potential for sin in their life. But I think that becoming a Christian does change your potential. I think becoming a Christian, it doesn't erase your potential for sin, but it, it gives you a potential to serve God. That's what I think getting salvation does. And so potential, it obviously it goes both ways. We can talk about potential to sin, talk about the potential to serve God. Um, your potential to sin doesn't change, but you're saved. And now you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart. You've got the Bible and His Word you can read. You've got a church to come to with a preacher that preaches the Word. You've got fellow Christians here among you that will, that will fellowship with you and that will support you and that will help guide you. And so you're, you have tools to avoid sin now that you're saved, but your potential remains the same, and that is you have the potential to sin. But the, but the, but the, the change of potential you get when you're saved, is the change of potential to serve God. And so before I talk about too much more potential, I want to kind of explain potential a little, little differently. So I've, I'm going to do this uh, um, visually. We've got, it's football season, so I brought a football. <laughs> or soccer ball, I guess you Americans call it. <clears throat> oh, can't touch it. Sorry about that. Okay, uh, anyone good at soccer here? No one, no one sports? Yes, come on up here, buddy. You raise your hand, you're my helper for a second. I want to talk about potential football style, okay? Are you, are you good at soccer? Kind of? Okay. Oh, you're better than me. So stand over here just for a second. All right, so when I think of potential, I think of physics. And I know I'm going to, so I have an equation to show everybody. It's up there. That's a potential energy equation. Now, my daughter ran and is in physics class, and I had to warn her that I'm going to show some physics equations on the board. I didn't want her to have some kind of weird flashback to physics class and, 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 and have a problem listening to the rest of the message. So I warned her. Uh, but, but we're going to talk. You thought you were coming for soccer. You're coming for math. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is the, the equation for potential energy. And potential energy in physics uh, for gravity anyway, is, is the mass times gravity times height. That's what the equation stands for. And so for ease of math, because I know math is not your favorite subject, we're going to say that the mass of the soccer ball, here we go, the mass of the soccer ball 
is one kilogram, okay? So look at the equation. M is one. You got it? Okay. And for ease of math, we're going to say that gravity is 10. All right, that's just we're rounding up there. And so we've got, we've got G equals 10. So we've got 1 times 10. Are you, are you with me so far? Okay. Now for height, H. How high is the soccer ball above the ground? Zero? Okay, yeah, because it's on the ground, right? It's laying on the ground. It's literally on the ground. It can't go any lower. So we're going to put a zero in for H. So we've got 1 times 10 times zero. Do you know what that, oh, okay, very good. That's zero, right? So the potential, very good. Give them a round of applause. For, uh, you're not done yet. You got more math. Yeah. So the potential for the soccer ball, because it's on the ground, is zero. All right, now pick the soccer ball up and just put it right here. I touched the soccer ball, but that's against the rules of the sport. I thought you knew soccer. All right. So same soccer ball, right? Same gravity. So we still have 1 times 10. Now the height's changed, hasn't it? And for ease of math, let's just call it 1 meter. So now I got 1 times 10 times 1. You're that's 10. Very good. So now the potential energy of this soccer ball is 10. What was it on the ground? Zero. And now it's 10, right? That's a, that's a large increase in potential. All right. That's all I need you for. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Yay, soccer. <clears throat> so just like your potential for sin, and I'll come back to the soccer ball in a moment, your potential for service is dependent upon where you are. You, you can deal with these potentials, potential for sin or potential for service, in, in much the same way through making small choices. All right, now sometimes you'll luck out and those choices are the same. All right, getting up in the morning and reading your Bible is a choice you can make every day and it's a choice that's going to help you avoid sin. It's also going to help you serve God. Or getting up in the morning and, and praying and spending time with God uh, to build your relationship with Him and talking to Him is going to help you avoid sin and serve God. Now, sometimes the choices aren't going to be the same, but, but the mechanism and the methodology is the same. It's making small choices every day to go the right direction and to do the right thing. So, fellow believer, you have potential. Now, you have potential to do a whole bunch of things. You have the potential, every single one of you, to be a missionary. We've got the missions conference coming up next week. There'll be missionaries here amongst us. And you're going to look at them and be like, wow, those are cool guys. But don't let them fool you. They're not special. They're just ordinary Christians. Saved just like you're saved. They have the same potential that you have. The difference is that they made a choice... A very small choice. And one day they, they would talk to somebody. They said, Pastor, I want to talk to you about uh, missions work or being a missionary. You know what that small choice is like? A small choice is like if the soccer ball is down here, the small choice is I give it a little tap. See what happened here? Not much, right? 
But if you have potential, and I give it a little tap, wow, that went farther than I thought it was going to go. Yeah, I'm going to need that back later on. <clears throat> so the small choice with some potential does a lot more work, right? You have the potential to save Christians to be a witness and to spread the gospel. All it takes is, is talking to your friends, your coworkers, or your, or your, or your, your classmates. It isn't hard. It's a small choice. Just, get, just hand them a track. Be like, hey, read this when you have a second. I want you to, I want you to have this. You have the potential to be a, an active member here at Eastside Baptist Church. All it takes is you choosing to come to church when we have services and sitting down and being present in the service. And you have the potential to be good, godly parents. It just takes the small choice of, of saying, I'm going to raise my family, I'm going to raise my kids with a biblical point of view, with biblical principles in our, in our household. And there's going to be more choices to make, don't get me wrong, but those are made easier because you've, you've already committed to a path, you've committed to a blueprint in your life. So you have that potential. You have the potential to be a loving spouse or, or teens. You have the potential to be, to be good, honoring you know, kids of your parents. It just takes a choice to wake up every day and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey my parents today. I'm going to do it with a good attitude. These are the potentials we have. It, it's, it's about taking responsibility for your actions. Those are the choices and the actions you make. And so once you're saved, you, you have potential to do the work that the Lord wants you to do. Just because you're saved, God has given you that potential. What hinders you in that potential is you. You hinder yourself, always, all the time. And so here's, I'm just going to give you a quick list of three ways that we hinder our own potential. Three beliefs that we hold that are false, but we hold those beliefs very dear to ourselves, and it gets in the way of the potential energy that God has for us. And the first belief is this, that, that hey, I, I don't have the potential God wants me to have because I, I did some bad stuff back in the day. I, I wasn't raised in church. I, I didn't get saved till later on in life. I've done some bad things. You think that your past hinders your potential, but that isn't the case. This this soccer ball right here has potential, right? But it wasn't always up here, was it? It was down there. The past, where this soccer ball was, has no bearing on its potential now. You look at the equation and you realize there's no variable up there for where the ball was. Or how long it's been up here. It's simply here now and therefore it has potential. So don't think that your past changes your potential. It doesn't influence your potential. God gave you your potential, not you, not your past. You'll note, conveniently, that this ball is hand height, right? This is how tall the ball is. So the ball is in my hand right now. It was on the ground. I picked it up. Now it's in my hand, right? Now it has potential. When you get saved, you go into God's hands, right? And no man can pluck you out of those hands. So now you're in God's hands. And he's holding you up. It doesn't matter where you were. It only matters where you are now, which is in God's hands. And that's potential. You think Paul had a great past? 
Paul had a pretty bad past. You know, he, he hunted down Christians. He arrested them. He persecuted them. He murdered a few of them. I don't know what the whole story. Who's going to say to Paul, well, no one's going to trust Paul. No one's going to think, well, Paul knows what he's talking about when it comes to Christianity. No one's going to say, let's listen to Paul when it comes to doing things that God wants us to do. But God didn't see that, did he? God saw Paul's potential for what it was. He has what I think is probably one of the best verses in the Bible about him and where God calls him a chosen vessel. That is some potential if I ever heard it. The potential Paul had was enormous. You know who Paul is. You know the works he did, the letters he wrote, because he had potential and he lived up to that potential. And just like the ball started off on the floor, Paul started off on the floor too. And so did you, by the way. We all started off on the floor with no potential because we didn't have God. But getting saved gets you in God's hands. And when you're in God's hands, you have potential. So the first thought is your past affects your potential, and it doesn't. The second misbelief is that, well, I, I don't see myself in that kind of role. I don't have the personality to do what they do. I don't have the gifts that that person has to do what they're doing. And, and you think that, that you don't have the same potential that God sees in you. But you're not seeing it right, are you? God sees who you are for your whole potential, not what you think your potential is. If we look at, in the Old Testament, you've got Gideon, who was Gideon. Gideon was a poor farmer from a lowly family in Israel. And he's out back hiding behind a, a shed, you know, thrashing wheat to get some food for his family. And God comes up to him in that lowly time and he says, I want you to deliver Israel. Or he comes up to David, who is, who is the youngest son of a farmer, who's a, who's a, a little shepherd boy, and says, I want you to be king of all Israel. See, God doesn't care what you think you are. God knows who you are. And here's where I want to blow your mind for a second. We, we defined this potential for the ball to be 10, right? Because it's a meter off the ground. Well, it's just the ground. We chose the ground, right? The ground's a reference point. It's arbitrary. We set it up. This potential is based on gravity. So the real point of origin of gravity is the center of the earth. So if we take this ball, we measure the height of this ball from the center of gravity, which is the center of the earth, it's not 10. If I'm rounding here, it's 63 and a half million. That's the same thing that God does to you. God's holding you in his hand. You think God's not bigger than the earth? You think God isn't bigger than what the floor is? He doesn't, he doesn't need a floor. That's what, that's what people think. People think there's a floor here that's important. God doesn't need that. God doesn't measure you based on what earth measures you by. He measures you when you're in his hand. And the potential you have being God's hands is immeasurable. It tells us in Matthew 19.26 that with God all things are possible. That's, that's some large potential right there. Very large potential. So you, the first thought, incorrectly, is that your past affects your potential. The second misbelief is that you don't see your entire potential. You think it's only what you see. And the third misbelief is that your potential fades with time. And you think to yourself, well, 
I've been saved a long time. If God's going to use me, he was going to use me a long time ago. He's not going to use me anymore. Or I'm too old to be used of God because I'm, I'm well advanced in years. I'm 25. That's way too old. Or I've got an established career. I've been, you know, God called me into this job. I've been doing this job for a while now. And therefore, God will never change that, his will for me. He'll never call me out of that job. I've been doing this job my entire life. I'm really good at this job. To think that your potential fades with time is an error. I mean, how old was Noah when he was called to build an ark? How old was Abraham when he was called? Age isn't a matter for God. Neither is what you're doing right now in your career. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector. Paul was a hunter of Christians, a tent maker, whatever he was. It didn't matter what, what you're doing or how long you've been saved. You think that because you're in God's hands and you've been there for, for a long time that, that, that he's getting tired of holding you and your potential goes down because he's fading in his strength? No, you're, you're just as high up as you've ever been in his God's hands. And the same hands that held Peter and Abraham and David and all the other great people in the Bible, the same hands that they are in, you're in. The same potential they had, you have. So don't think that because, well, they were in the biblical times or, or their situation was different, that somehow their potential is different. Because God doesn't change. As tall as he is now is when he was tall as he was when he was with them. And he's holding all of you in the same hand. So your potential is the same. So regardless of how long you've been saved or, or how long you've, you've uh, been doing the job you are, you still have potential. Now, it might change. You know, he's not might call you to do the same exact thing, you know, as a younger man or a younger woman would be called to. But that's okay because he's taking what you've learned and the person you've grown into and using it for his will. Just because the potential is the same doesn't mean they're all going to get used the same. All right? The, you know, you get the roller coaster and it gets to the very peak of its, uh, of its, of its you know, of its climb before it goes down. It has a lot of potential, right? And it takes that potential and it transitions it into speed and into movement and into, into entertainment. But the same height of the roller coaster could also be a water tower. And the water tower having the same potential in, in there as the roller coaster is used differently. It's used to apply pressure to the water system and to give you water throughout the entire system into your faucets. God uses the potential to bring to life the things that he created those things for. We use potential to bring the, whatever it was created to do, to do those things. And so if you want to fulfill what you're created to do, you need to allow God to use the potential that's in your life. So let's stand... We'll have some invitation here, time here. And as the piano plays, just, just think a little bit on your potential. Have you embraced your potential? Or are you holding back? Are you trying to block God from using the potential that's in your life because you don't know where it's going to lead or, or how he's going to use you? Or you're a little scared to say yes. Hey, it's a small decision away, isn't it? All you got to do is make one small decision today and your potential could be unlocked. Allow that to be used in your life. And, and the ball, it exists here on the table, and it, it looks the same as if it was sitting on the floor. So potential isn't an action, it's a state of being. 
But that being said, without, without action, potential is useless. There needs to be action. So if you have potential, which you do if you're saved and you're in God's grace, be ready to have that action. Be ready to take action. Make a decision toward that action. So while the altars are open and